Okay, welcome to the Peter Mack Show. Today is January 9th, 2019. My special guest with me today is Stefan Kinsella, and uh, he has quite a background. He has a bachelor and master's degrees in electrical engineering and a Juris Doctorate, and uh, also has an LLM from the University of London. Um, what I know Stefan best about is his uh, book, Against Intellectual Property Rights, and if you're a libertarian or not, and you haven't read that, I certainly encourage you to do so. So, uh, Stefan, uh, tell me if you would, what what is an LLM uh, that you have from the University of London, and why did you pursue that, I, I presume, after you got your uh, JD? Well, it's it's usually, a, uh, hey, Peter, it's good to see you again, talk to you again. Um, it's it's kind of a, a lengthy story most people don't want to hear, but it might tie a little bit into the theme of, of our episode. Um, LLM just – LL is two – two L's means law, laws, plural for law, and master's is an M, so it means master of laws. And that was just a one-year program I got at the University of London at King's College London uh, after my law degree. And I did that only because um, this was 1991 – and I was entering the job market as a lawyer in Houston at the time, and there was a, re- a legal recession. And so my law firm was having trouble finding enough work for all the lawyers that, that were coming into the law firm, a big law firm in Houston. Mm-hmm. And so they called us up when we were seniors in law school, and they said, um, you know, we don't have enough work for all you lawyers. So mm-hmm. we would like it if 10 to 15 of you would, would take a year off. And we'll pay you part of your salary. And uh, if we can find enough of you to do that, we won't have to make the hard choices and fire you guys before you even start working. So oh my. about 10, 12 of us took the took the offer. And uh, I went to law school in London for another degree and thought it would be fun. And it was. It was great. So it was good to be um, subsidized by a Texas firm to go to law school in London. <laughs> Okay, well that that's that had to be scary at first when you got the news because uh, I, you know we'll support you partly is not as good as fully. <laughs> and, and that's I, right, and so, some of the some of the law students already had you know wives and kids and that kind of stuff. But I was just a young single guy, and I, I figured what what what's another year of, of law school, and uh, I can get an international law degree and make myself more marketable and have fun seeing Europe. So for me, it was. Uh, a buddy and myself who had the same situation, we, we both decided to do it together. We, we, I remember that was right after the Dead Poets Society. We just called each other and we said, carpe diem, you know, seize the day. Why not? <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was fun for us. That's great. So then when you returned, did you go to work for that same law firm or did you go I elsewhere? Did. Yep. Okay. Yeah, no, they, they said they would hold a job op- open for us. And yeah, I did go to work for them. And uh um, I started out doing oil and gas law, and the international law degree helped with that. Um, but about a year or two into it, I decided to switch to patent law, which now I'm specialized in. Right. Um, and uh, because uh, it, it made me mobile, uh, my wife wanted to move from Houston to Philadelphia for her job, and I figured I figured I could work uh, at patent law, which is a national, a federal field in America. So no one really cares where you're from, what law school you went to, what state you're from. All they care about is your technical specialty. And I was an electrical engineer, right. and that's what was becoming in demand at the time. So I switched from oil and gas law to, to patent law. 
Okay. So let's back up. So you have two degrees in engineering, a bachelor's and a master's that you got before that. So obviously, uh, when you were younger, uh, you were good in math and science like me, and I started to go that route. Uh, at what point did you decide after uh, or perhaps during the earning of those two degrees in electrical engineering that you wanted to go into law and why? Well, yeah, it's inter- interesting um, because uh, I get this question a lot from people. Why did you switch? They'll say switch. Um, and you notice that no one ever asked an English or a history major why they switched to law. Right. Uh, but it's because people aren't lawyers and they don't, they don't understand that in America since the 50s, law has become a graduate degree, a JD. Sure. Um, because of the lobbying of the American Bar Association, actually, in England and in the U.S., it used to be an LLB, which would be a Bachelor of Laws. So like in England, you'll go to law school right out of high school or what or their equivalent of that, right? So it's a shorter shorter process. But um, right. in the U.S., you have to get some undergraduate degree first, and then you go to law school. But because it's not related, in my opinion, it's not a genuine graduate degree, um, which is why you know, you, you'll actually – you called my degree a Juris Doctorate earlier, which is a common uh, mistake. Oh, And okay. it's, it's, it's understandable – by non-lawyers, but when I hear a lawyer call themselves having a Juris Doctorate, I know that they're either – they don't even understand their own degree <laughs> or they're a little bit of a shyster, like they're trying to act like they're a doctor, right? Which is a little bit why the ABA did this. They wanted to have doc, uh, lawyers have a Juris Doctor so they could uh, – technically, the ABA says you can call yourself a doctor, but I mean – Right. It's very rare to call yourself a doctor just because you have a JD, and if right. you do, people sort of look askance at it. Um, but no, I was so I was an engineer, and I liked it. I liked technology and math and sciences. But as someone who got more and more into politics and economics and arguing, you know, I like the human. The, I won't say the humanities, but the social sciences or humanities side of things. I like that way sure. of arguing and thinking. And I realized I didn't want to be working for General Dynamics in, in Dallas or some some military contractor where my career was, you know, building weapons for 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 the for the for the military or at at the at the whim of these military contractors sort of type jobs. Um, and so I, sw- I I went to law school just to make more money, to be honest, and because I liked I liked I liked broadening my knowledge. And I went to law school and. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I mean, I liked it. I had a lot of these uh, friends that were, you know, liberal arts majors or, or so, uh, 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 the social sciences, and they some of them thought it was hard because they didn't like it being analytical. But being an engineer, you're already used to being analytical, problem solving. Right. It's just this is not as numerical, you know, or as empirical. Right. Um, but I didn't mind that. I like I like that part. I like blending all this stuff. And in my career. Uh, the interesting thing about being a patent lawyer in the U.S. is you really need to have an engineering or technical degree and a law degree, and not many lawyers have that. So you're already a scarce commodity, Sure. and patent laws become so valuable that um, you can specialize. And if you're good at that, you can handle being specialized and doing what we do. Um, then you can make a good living out of it, which is you know generally pays higher than a typical, let's say, bachelor of science engineer type. Right. Okay, you mentioned that uh, if you had continued as an engineer, you would have been in a situation uh, working for uh, some company that makes military products, and 
And uh, that was of some concern to you. So were you already in as an undergraduate or, or even in your master's degree of electri- electrical engineering, thinking about political issues? Were you introduced to the idea of what a libertarian is, uh, limited government, or anything of that persuasion? Well, I was already a libertarian, but my concern was it wasn't political. I didn't feel any guilt or anything about doing that, uh, although now I probably would. But no, it wasn't It wasn't that. It was just I thought I'd be bored, mm. and you know, just my particular circumstance. I was in Louisiana. I had a girlfriend. She she needed a couple more years to get out of, 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 of college, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to go to Dallas and just be an engineer. I mean I interviewed. I had a job offer from General Dynamics, which is what made me mention that. Mm-hmm. I think it was twenty eight thousand dollars, and that was nineteen like eighty seven or eighty six. Okay, so that was good money for the time, right? Sure. Um, sure. It sounds it sounds paltry now, but right as you and I know, twenty eight thousand dollars back then is more than it is now. Sure, sure. Um, but I just wasn't excited about it. I thought I'd be, right. be bored, and uh, I, I was just I liked arguing, and I liked um, for me personally. I always sort of craved the liberal arts side of things. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I, for example, you know, you'll hear a lot of people, they try to get their kids to take these AP courses in high school, mm-hmm. advanced placement, so that when they go to college, they can skip the English courses or whatever. And I did that because I. I scored high enough on the ACT to just skip out of, and I regret it because I actually like the English stuff, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I tried to take sociology and history and philosophy and mm-hmm. and courses like that when I could as an elective as an engineer, and I just personally I felt the craving towards that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So for me, for me personally, law school filled that. Like when I went to law school, finally I could I could reason like a human and think like a human. I could use. I could use words instead of just formulas and math. Right. Um, not that I didn't like the engi- – I love the engineering. Uh, unlike – I mean most people that go to law school or English, a lot of them do it because they can't do math. Right. I, I didn't have a problem with math. I, lo- I still love math. It's just right. it's just I, I, I felt confined and I wanted to breathe and talk and reason and you know stuff you don't get in engineering or from mm-hmm. – a small community in Louisiana where I was from. So for me, law school just opened up uh, this sort of uh, social way of looking at things. And and as it turned out, it complemented my academic and my sort of uh, scholarly interests, right? Because uh, I've written a lot. I've spoken a lot over the last 20 plus years on libertarian and legal theory mm-hmm. and having a law degree and understanding the law. And being interested in the law has helped me a lot because it gave me a vocabulary and a way of arguing and the way of uh, writing that a lot of untrained people just don't have. Sure. Uh, and on the other hand, a lot of lawyers who might have that basic training don't use it or they're not libertarian inclined or they're not scholarly inclined, so they never go that direction. So I, could, I just combined what uh, I was good at and what my interest led to. So I think my um, – I mean, honestly, my engineering training has helped me in my career because it helped me be a patent lawyer. It helps sure. me talk to engineers when I do patent sure. disclosures and that stuff. But as as a libertarian sort of scholar, it's really the legal the legal training and, uh, that I got. And luckily, I think I mean I went to LSU, which is in Louisiana. Now Louisiana is the only 
state in America which has a civil law system. The rest of the U- the 49 states of the U.S. have a common law system similar to England. So in the U.S., I mean, in Louisiana, they, they train you in the civil law, which is the continental system from France and from Europe and Rome and in the common law. And so that's usually useless to someone who's not practicing in Louisiana. But in my case, it helped me with my interdisciplinary sort of uh, libertarian mind. Right. So it actually – it actually turned out to be a perfect match for me just by by total coincidence. Now, as a libertarian then going to law school, let me ask you this. Uh, let me preface it a little bit by a question I – or a discussion I had with a, a friend who's a, a libertarian a, and a lawyer in New Mexico. And some years ago I said, well, when you go to law school, do you get to ask questions like – at the beginning, where what is the basis of the law? Is do we do we talk about the morality of laws or something? And this this fella from New Mexico said he posed such a question uh, to some of his law professors or one of them in some class early on, and he was quickly shut down. No, 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 we don't do that. We just deal with the law here. We don't get into whether it's ethical or or that sort of thing. And if I were to go to law school, um, I would want to know those sorts of things. I would be very curious about that. Did you as a libertarian entertain those questions in your own mind? And as well, did you get to converse with professors? Were they open to that or not? Well, so everyone's impression is very, very particular to their circumstances. Um Mine was in the late 80s, so it was two decades ago now. Things may have changed. It was in Louisiana. Sure. Um, I was kind of naive then compared to how I am now. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I did do that. I was that guy. I was the guy that was always – like I was fascinated by uh, the whole social sciences, the, the way of arguing, and also the, you know, the normative questions that I was a libertarian. So of course I was – I was that guy in class asking questions about the Constitution and <laughs> criminality and the drug war and uh, all these things. And there was a few professors that I made friends with and that, that would entertain these things. Um, in the end, though, that's just fun, and I think that libertarians who think they're going to go to law school for that purpose are deceiving themselves probably because it's worse now um, on average. And also because the purpose of law school is to give you just a practical understanding of the law. Right. And that's what my school did by and large. And in fact, uh, you know, like, so in Louisiana, for example, there's LSU where I went and there's Tulane and Loyola and, uh, Southern Mm -hmm. and LSU has the highest bar passage rate, which means they teach people the most practical things. So they tend to pass at a higher rate. Mm Mm-hmm. And they always win that. So, of course, the other schools, which are – two of them are private, Loyola and Tulane, they have to you know, say why they're better. Like, oh, we don't just teach to the bar, they call it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is right. just a way of yeah. – so, but, but of course the purpose of law school is to train you to understand the law, and the law is not really a science anymore. I think it's just a collection of rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be moderately smart to be a lawyer, but not that smart. You just have mm-hmm. to learn a particular sub area of law mm-hmm. um, and learn how to use those rules. So you're just helping people navigate the rules. Um, and you, you can take pleasure in that and do some good in that. But I don't think law is what it used to be. Law, um, I was never taught anything like the general broad uh, 
theory of law like it's it's about justice or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's it's sort of all empirical and utilitarian now mm-hmm. and consequentialist. Um and 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 positivistic in the sense of here's what the statute says. We have to understand the statute and what the courts have said. You just have to re- that's why it's hard is because there's a lot of material. There's tons of cases you have to read mm-hmm. and statutes and you have to memorize and understand and relate these things that are not often not logically related. They're just mm-hmm. they just happen to be what the law is and you have to square them and try to guess what the judge would do mm-hmm. and how to advise clients based upon this. So Law is a useful doctrine now, but the the field of law, I don't think I don't think you want to go into that for some kind of, um, um, you know, to become a a, 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 a practitioner of ethical science. Mm. Uh, there may be a few schools that are like that, maybe Yale or some I don't know, but even those, to the extent that they're more normative or ethical based instead of practical, practical, they're probably leftist and Marxist. You know what I mean? So sure, yeah. I, I don't I. I it's, it's all, it's, to me, it's almost like Austrian economics or economics. If you want to study economics and get your economics degree, yeah, go get it. You have to. But realize that real economics, you're going to have to learn on the outside of what you learn in the classes. Right. Now, law is not quite as bad because in law school, they are teaching you what the law actually is. But don't deceive yourself that it's what the law should be or what justice is. And that's what a lot of people do. And Mm-hmm. You know, the mistake a lot of lawyers make and a lot of non-lawyers make is they think lawyers have a special ability to know what the law should be. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear a lawyer pronounce on something because I'm right. a lawyer. Right. And I don't I don't think they have any more ability to know what the law should be than any anyone else. And in fact, I think that if anything, uh, I would trust a non-lawyer more than a lawyer to know what the law should be because lawyers have been sort of brainwashed in part by uh, being immersed in positive law, right? And mm-hmm. by being immersed in the law uh, issued by the state, mm-hmm. uh, they, have to, they have to know what that law is, but they start thinking that's the way the law should be. Uh, and just because you're an expert in the way the law works doesn't mean you're an expert in the way the law should be. I mean, you could, you could imagine a, you know, someone on the Soviet Politburo in the, in the, in the, in the USSR in the, in the 60s or something, they might know how to do the inner workings of that system, but that's got really nothing to do with justice. They're just a good technician, really. Right. And I think that's what lawyers are. They're really good technicians of legal rules. Right. And, I, you know, to me, and it sounds like you are in that same boat, that's kind of sad because, for example, if you, if you consider case law, it's, it sounds like what you're saying is lawyers are going to be really good at knowing case law and a friend of mine who's a, a retired attorney said there was some judge in California who said he couldn't find anything whatsoever in the law that guaranteed that the you know the Second Amendment's uh, right to keep and bear arms is is just that he was apparently looking at case law, right? And I I would be flummoxed if I were in front of a, a judge like that and say, well, we'll read the Second Amendment now. If you want to parse the Second Amendment and its history and argue about that as apparently was done in the D.C. versus Heller case, fine. But to say there is no law in existence that guarantees a person the right to keep and bear arms strikes me as absurd. Yeah, I would criticize a judge more than a lawyer for that in a sense because a judge has some discretion, especially an appellate judge or a Supreme Court judge. Um, At that point, they actually have the ability to to make the right decision based upon justice or at least based upon the Constitution. 
Right. Um, a lawyer is usually advising people, and they have a good sense after a while of what really works. And they have a lot of cranks and people that are passionate come to them, sure. and they want they want their case to win. And the law just isn't on their side, right? So the lawyer's right. job is to tell them the truth, right? It's like a doctor telling you you have cancer. Right. He should he shouldn't lie to you. You don't have cancer. Right. I mean, um, if if you want to win your case with some obscure uh, libertarian or common law court argument, you can try it. And if you want to just go all out and that's going to be your, your claim to glory, knowing that you, you're probably going to lose, that's fine. But right. don't delude yourself. And the right. lawyer should tell you – and that's what the, they're trained to – it's not just the case law. They look at the case law as a prediction of what the courts are likely to do. Sure. And the case law is based nowadays not just upon common law but based upon how courts have interpreted statutes or the constitution, so written law, right. um, which is not natural law at all. It's just judges interpreting words written on paper, which might have nothing to do with justice. I mean if, if the law says you have to go to jail for life if you've, if you've smoked marijuana three times or something like that… That's what the law says, and it's, right. it's the question for the judge and the jury is not whether this is just or proportional or fair. It's just what does the word – what do the words say? Right. Um, and that's got nothing to do with justice, which is one reason why I think law has become disentangled from justice. Right. Um, so when the lawyers say that, they, yeah, they fall into this rut of just sticking to the script, right, of what the, what the, what the courts are going to say, what the judges are going to say. And they're not usually wrong. Um, it does – I mean I'm a patent lawyer, right? right? And I specialize in lasers. So basically I turn away everyone as a client who doesn't want me to help them with a laser patent. That's just how specialized I am. Gotcha. But I get, I get people contact me all the time over the years just because I'm a libertarian and they, they want a libertarian lawyer because they think sure. that having a libertarian attorney – who understands the justice and the passion that they, that they feel is going to help them. And actually, sometimes they're right because sometimes you just can't get a regular lawyer to understand what you're, where you're even coming from, right? Right. So I understand that. But basically, if someone says, I need a lawyer for immigration law or appellate law or antitrust law, by and large, I say you're better going with someone who's a specialist in this. It doesn't matter what their politics is. Just like sure. – you know, you want your airline pilot to have so many hours and experience. You don't really care who they voted for for president. Um, but people have this tug to to get a lawyer who identifies with them, so they can understand their case. Sure. And I understand that. But um, by and large, the, the the job. And by the way, I sound like I'm being negative about lawyers and, was, and cynical, and uh, or, or about being a lawyer. But I'm not because I've actually enjoyed it and I like it. I just think one should be realistic about it. Sure. Well, you're, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. My wife's from Ukraine, Stefan. And when we were going through the process of getting her green card and so forth, I never for a second entertained the, pos- the, the, the thought about finding a libertarian lawyer, immigration attorney to her. Exactly. I, just, I just went to somebody and said, how do we dot the I's and cross the T's for the least amount of money and the most expeditious way to get her over here and get her the legal documents that she needs to be and live in the U.S. And and I yep. got that done, and and that was fine. You know, I have no idea what his political beliefs were, and, and I didn't care. But I could see on other issues where someone might choose a libertarian 
uh, on on a tax issue or the Second Amendment issue or something, saying we're going to take this all the way to the Supreme Court if necessary. Uh, but but obviously, a realist should understand also that uh, you know this may cost you hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, even if you could prevail. And the chances of you prevailing in the current climate are almost zero. Uh, well, yeah. and, and in my case, of course, most of the people that contact me want some intellectual property help because that's my specialty. Sure. And, you know, I'm known mostly to these people because I'm such a vociferous opponent of patent and copyright law. I think it should be abolished. Right. But and they, so that's how they know my name. So I think they assume that if you if you're that vociferous against it and you have written works against it and you're a practicing lawyer, you must know the field very well, which is true. So they'll call me. And they'll say, "Hey, I hear you're the you're the leading guy that hates patents." Yes. Would you help me do my patent? I mean, <laughs> like, and I'll do it in the right case. But it's, it's just kind of funny that I get people contact me, so they don't care. I've had people over the years say, you know, when I was 1995, let's say I was a young lawyer, I started writing these things against the patent system. And at first right. I was a little bit worried about being a, uh, an outspoken, cocky, libertarian guy opposing the system that I'm working within, right? Like people said, aren't you worried you're, you're going to piss your clients off or something like that? Mm-hmm. And I was cautious at first, but then I finally realized no one cares. No one no one outside of our narrow field reads this stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. All they do is they see an article with your name on it, which looks impressive, and they assume you know what you're talking about. And they don't really care what your opinions are. Just like I said earlier, they don't care who you voted for for president. They don't care if I want to abolish the patent system. They care if I know how to use it, mm-hmm. and I do. And being against it, to be honest, only makes me better in some ways, especially mm-hmm. when I defend someone who's being sued mm-hmm. for patent infringement. I want to help them fight off the evil bastards trying to attack them, you know? Sure. So uh, so it's just kind of ironic that uh, being an outspoken opponent of the field I, I, I work in, I, I don't think it's hurt me like one iota. If, only, if anything, it's helped me. Mm-hmm. Great. Let's take a short break here, Stefan. You're listening to The Peter Mac Show, my special guest, Stefan Kinsella, and we'll be back here in just a minute. 